sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the innerward parts, and in the hidden part you will make me know wisdom. Father God, we thank you that as we come to you, Lord, that you desire to bring truth into our innermost being. And Father, we confess that sometimes we have looked outside of ourselves to things and ways through which we try to be, uh, to, to really to make ourselves feel whole, or we try to save ourselves apart from you, Father. So I pray now, Lord, as we, as we look at this section, Jesus, by your gracious spirit, you would show us how we try to redeem ourselves apart from you. Father God, we know that you are our true redeemer, our true savior, and we want to rely wholeheartedly on you. Reveal to us the truth we need so that we can be made strong, whole, and complete in your name and for your glory. Amen. Amen. Please have your seats. Uh, so as I prayed there and as I shared that verse in Psalm 51, you know, a lifestyle of repentance is really good in that it helps us to keep short accounts um, with the Lord and with our brothers and sisters and I mentioned earlier the importance of truth in our lives. Um, another wonderful verse in Psalm 139, 23, 24, it says, Search me, O God, know my heart, try me, and know my thoughts, or know my anxieties, the psalmist says in other translations, and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So as I have mentioned now numerous of times, the Lord wants us to live from this place of truth. And so often when we're going through tough seasons, we may not see things correctly because of this brokenness, our fallen nature or our fragmented selves. And often then we will look for things outside of ourselves to make us feel better or to save us, so to speak, um, when we're going through those seasons. But these strategies will fail us because they were not designed to restore us. And what we ha know now is that often anxiety may present from a place of, or it can start from a core hurt or a core wound we may have received from childhood. This then shapes our view of ourselves in the light of that experience, and we will use mechanisms to cover it up, a bit like Adam and Eve. We will seek to rescue ourselves so often and not live from that place of truth. Now, what I'm not saying is that our anxiety is not true. I mean, what we go through in our hearts and our minds can be very real, but what we tell ourselves in those moments may not be true. Hebrews 4.12 says that the, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing soul and spirit of joint and marrows, quick to discern the thoughts and intents 
of the heart. So God's word is the standard by which we can know truth. But when we're in this place of anxiety and our fallen flesh and our fragmentation, we often can't receive it fully. But we do need time in God's word to truly be set free. We, you may have often heard the expression, you know, uh, God delivered his people out of Egypt. He delivered the Israelites out of Egypt, but then he had to take Egypt out of his people. The Israelites couldn't receive the fullness of what God had for them, and they had to go around in circles for 40 years, circles of complaining, circles of anxiety, circles of acting out, of, of, of being in a bad place, simply because God couldn't deal with his people the way he wanted to. And we don't want that to be our experience, do we? We want to enter into the fullness of what Christ has won for us on the cross, the fullness of our freedom. We don't want to find ourselves circling in anxiety or in other forms of complaining. So we're going to look now at some ways we may seek to um, save ourselves apart from Christ. These are ways that are often below the iceberg. If you can imagine the iceberg as a picture, there is a, a very small part of the iceberg above the water. Uh, we kind of looked at the iceberg issues in the first part. Now we're going down deep dive down into what goes on in our souls uh, in relation to this topic. And the first area I want to look at in, in terms of anxiety is this whole area of people and relational acceptance. We may call this the idol of people-pleasing, uh, but it is a, a mechanism that we can use in order to feel good. I suppose it's important to say at the outset that everybody wants to feel loved and accepted. Uh, it's the way God made us. We are to feel loved. It's one of the, the deepest needs of the human heart is to feel accepted. Uh, if you didn't want to feel accepted, there may be something wrong. But where does this then move into being a problem? Well, we know that uh, we'll just backtrack a little bit around this and then we'll move into where maybe problems can arise. We know that anxiety and relational acceptance can often start, actually, yeah, you can, it's fine as it is, Rubens, thank you. Um, from theories we know, from attachment theories and among other things, that our core relational pattern is formed from a very young age. And when we have caregivers that are safe and trusting and dependable, we form a consistent and a good sense of ourselves and of others. And this forms the basis of how we trust people in the future and how we trust God. So at an infancy, at an infant stage, at infancy, the child has no sense of self apart from the other. They are one in connection to their caregiver, and the, the caregiver mirrors the world back to them. It symbolically represents safety, reflection, and it reassures the child that everything is good. If the child senses that there's no one there, or there's no one reliably there, 
their system can go into a state of anxiety because their most fundamental need is to feel secure. And from infancy right through a child's development, they need that consistent other, whoever that regular caregiver is. And where the connection is broken or unreliable or not safe, that person can develop a deep sense of insecurity, perhaps doubting when it comes to relationships as an adult. Of course, none of us remember our infancy, but these memories are often imprinted deep at an unconscious level. We call them implicit memories, and they serve as a template in our lives, and they lay a foundation on which further interactions with people and relationships are interpreted from this template. So in other words, we have implicit beliefs about ourselves and the other, other people and the world and God, uh, which are deeply embedded in our psyche from our infancy. When a child or an infant loses a sense of connection, uh, that fear gets activated into their bodies and they can have a slightly overstressed nervous system. Our biggest fear is ultimately being abandoned and isolated because of our deep need for connection and the other. This is how God made us. We become secure through loving relationship with the other. Of course, this is not to say that we needed perfect parenting because there is no perfect parent. We are able to adapt with a huge degree of imperfection. But those who've received much in these years, then their tank runs over throughout life, and they carry often a little bit more margin to deal with the difficulties of life, to deal with the challenging relationships they encounter, and they can navigate life with this solid internal foundation. Relationships are not seen as a threat, but they are seen as something that is good. They can dismiss people who are not nice to them, and they don't take it personally. However, if there's been some degree of rejection or maybe passive parenting, you may have developed an insecure form of attachment, and your system as an adult can be more sensitive or uh, attuned to situations that make you make you feel a little bit more threatened or insecure in yourself. As a result, you may interpret things a little differently. You may see uh, people's behavior slightly through a negative lens. You fear their disapproval. You fear what they may be saying. You fear their abandonment. Of course, taken to extremes, this can lead to suspicion and paranoia in some cases. So a person may not be rejecting you, but if you go into a situation that symbolizes rejection, such as conflict or a job interview, or like I mentioned earlier, someone doesn't text you back, you may find yourself becoming a little anxious inside. And rather than maybe 
dismissing it as, oh, they're having a bad day, we may personalize it and make it about us and we feel less than. So this kind of relational anxiety, we can all experience to lesser or greater degrees. Um, we can all experience it. But when we live from that place of hurt, we may find that, and this is how it can present, an over-desire to please people. We'll have a look at some of those points. We may find that we're constantly caring for others. Or we may struggle to say no. And we may have poor boundaries. Or we feel that I'm only acceptable through other people's acceptance of me. Or I try to be what they need me to be. You may find yourself obsessing over what you said or being over vigilant, maybe, of people. And it's a kind of anxiety that sort of says, well, I'm okay if you're okay. If you're okay, then I'm okay. But if you're not okay, then I can't be okay. <laughs> now, this is often something we can experience, especially around church life, where dynamics can be complicated with people. But God wants us to live from that place of peace and rest and deep security so that we're not dependent upon other people's approval of us. So that we're able to say no and we're able to have good boundaries in love. Because if we perceive that someone is rejecting us or someone is, is, is somehow against us, then we may strive harder and harder to win their love and approval. Or we go into a, a state of despondency and depression and give up because we feel like it's, it's never gonna, it's never gonna change. They're never, so we can, we can go into this hyperactivity of winning approval, or we go into a place of despondency and depression where we give up. It's like the baby who stops crying, who keeps crying, but now has given up crying because they'll know no one will ever come. That is the state of despondency and depression. And these can be very subtle dynamics that happen in our hearts in any given moment or in any given season. So how do we move on from some of this relational anxiety? Well, a couple of things, and you may like to wish, write these down, and we'll just dig into some of this after I've highlighted these three areas. We do need to constantly remind ourselves of the gospel. We invite Jesus into our stories. We grieve our losses. And then we practice new ways of relating to people, and that takes time. So what is the gospel? Well, I love Timothy Keller's quote. He says, we are more sinned and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet at the same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus than we ever dared hope. I love that truth that we are more loved and accepted in Christ than we ever dared, believed, or hoped. And we need to really allow the truth of God's love into those places. Knowing that means that I am loved and accepted even on my worst days, 
even on the days where it's not going well, where I feel the world and everyone is against me. Jesus knows our quirks. He knows our downfalls. And with eyes of love, he says, I love you the way you are. I see you and I love you. When we work hard to please people, when we work hard to earn other people's approval, often what we're doing is just managing our anxiety. We're trying to feel secure apart from Christ. So we're not really resting in Jesus in those moments. We're resting in our good behavior. We're ultimately wanting to save ourselves by pleasing people. We're not resting in the finished work of Christ. And this dynamic will prove to be a snare for us. Ultimately, Proverbs 29 verse 25 says, Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. When we know the love of Christ, that he has made us complete, we can embrace our humanity and all that he has made us to be. You know, I think in Ireland for too long, we've kind of suffered under this rejection spirit or this rejection, this feeling of self-rejection. And we've sought to redeem ourselves so often through sacrificial giving. Not sure what it's like in other cultures but often in our history and in our psyche, you could say, we didn't have that solid sense of self and we sought to, to, to find ourselves through sacrificial giving. Is sacrificial giving good? Yes, it is good. But when it's done from a place of being complete in Christ, not in order to be made complete, and there's a big difference. We serve from a place of being complete, not in order to be made complete. When I am sufficient in Christ, when I know my sufficiency, then I'm empowered to say no to you. Not because I don't want to say yes, but because I don't believe it's right to say yes in that given situation. Or if I feel the Lord is saying that I am to say yes, then I can wholeheartedly say yes. Matthew 5, 37 says, let your yes, your no be no, and your yes be yes. God wants us to have a full yes and a full no. So often we've not lived out of reaching our highest good and our highest potential because we work hard to please those around us and we may have missed out on our yes for God because we were saying yes to everyone else when God wanted us to ultimately say yes to him. So knowing the truth of God's word to us, his love for us, I believe we can then take Jesus into some of those places where we may live out of the broken parts of our story. Are there places in your story, in your past, where maybe you haven't invited Jesus fully in? Memories, experiences, where you wrestle with, where you still struggle with. Maybe there's been things you've gone through and you haven't allowed Jesus to 
uh, enter into those losses and those hurts. A day like this can be a wonderful way to, to spend and to just give to the Lord anything he wants to do or any place where he wants to touch to bring that healing. Knowing our story is important. Like I said earlier, I mean, God delivered his people out of Egypt, but there was a lot he had to do in them. They still had the slave mentality. They still lived under a spirit of bondage. But when we truly know our identity is secure in Christ, when we receive all that Christ has won for us, this does set us free from anxiety in relation to people. I remember when I came to faith, one of the verses that minister spoken or truth that the Lord spoke through the minister was that there was nothing I could do to make the Lord love me any more or any less. And that truth is the truth I love coming back to, that I am complete in Christ, that there's nothing I can do to make him love me any more or any less. That is a wonderful truth. So we're going to go into a time of prayer and we're just going to allow the Lord to, to minister in this area. And um, why don't we stand to our feet? And uh, we're going to just all together um, renounce maybe some lies we've been believing. And then we may go into a little background. It would be lovely, Rubens, thank you. Um, we're going to renounce some prayers together. And then... What we're going to do is I'm going to pray over you. And if this is something that's speaking to you, you're welcome to maybe just stand to the side and we will pray with you afterwards. If people are receiving prayer, I'd encourage you just maybe not to speak, just to stay in the atmosphere of worship and really allow the truths of what God wants to impart to you today to, to sink in. So let's say this prayer, um, this renunciation together. I renounce the lie that I am rejected, unloved, or shameful. I renounce the lie that I am guilty, unprotected, alone, or abandoned. I renounce the lie that I am worthless, inadequate, helpless, or hopeless. I repent of the ways I've sought to find approval apart from you. So, Father God, I thank you for this gift of repentance that we can just turn from the ways we have sought to find meaning through people apart from you. And I want to pray now, Lord, for each woman here today, Father God, for each person who has felt perhaps undeserving of that love. They haven't felt worthy of your love. Father God, for some people, they may have felt like they had to be good enough in order to earn your love. I thank you that we receive your love by grace. It is by grace we enter into that love, Father God. Lord, we, we no longer wish to 
live from a place of people-pleasing in order to be approved. Father, we no longer want to diminish what you have placed within us as your children, as your beloved women. And Father, I plead the blood of Jesus into the lies in every heart here, the lies where your children have believed that their value or their worth is based on performance, perfection, or their people-pleasing. And I break those lies in the name of Jesus. Father, for others here, perhaps they've been motivated by guilt their whole lives. Perhaps you feel like unless you say yes, an awful guilt hangs over you. And this buildup of guilt is causing you to feel resentment, deep resentment. Jesus, I, I break that lie now that this person is responsible for that situation. I break in the name of Jesus the lie that they have to carry the burden of another. That they would relinquish now that, that burden, Father God, so that they would not carry any more guilt. And that they can be set free to be who you've called them to be. I command all feelings of guilt and false responsibility to be gone in the name of Jesus. I pray here, Father, for dear ones who've been caretakers their whole lives. Perhaps your identity is wrapped up in caring for others. And maybe now you're at a place where you can no longer carry this burden. Jesus, release your children from the burden of caretaking. May they know you as the one who carries them. That you are the one who carries them like the good shepherd, Lord. You're the good shepherd of their souls. Father, maybe they need to continue in a role, but I just break the spirit of, of, of heaviness that is causing them to crumble under the weight of responsibility or indeed any false sense of duty. Jesus, may they know you as the one who carries them, the one who comforts them, the one who holds them. And Father, for those here today, Lord, who need to feel secure in relation to another person, Lord, where there's a, a disproportionate need to hear the affirming words of others rather than the voice of God. I pray, Lord, that they would know your voice. They would know your words of delight. They would know your words of approval. And I break that stronghold and the need to find approval in man. Your word says it is a snare, Father God, but we run to you this day, God. You delight yourself 
in your children. You delight in each daughter here. And God says, I love you. I love you the way you are. You are precious in my sight. Thank you, God, that other people's opinions do not matter. And God, we can respond to people well when we know your approval. We can truly hear another person's criticism, Lord, when we know that we are loved by you. So I pray, Lord, a silencing of all the voices, the voices of the enemy, the voices of our flesh, the voices of the world, that we would, those voices, Jesus, would be silenced and we would hear the still, small voice of the Lord leading us onwards, restoring us bringing us beside still waters, still waters. I thank you for the peace, Lord, that you offer. You offer a peace that the world does not offer us. So for every stranglehold and for every lie, I plead the blood of Jesus now, Lord, into that and send it into the pit of hell. Because, Jesus, you have bought each soul here by your precious blood. You've redeemed each life by the power of the cross. And I pray now, Lord, as we just rest in your presence, as we receive from you in your presence, that we would enter into all that you have, that you would continue to speak to us, and for those that might want prayer now, Lord, that you might speak through prayer and that the rest, Lord, would receive from you as we uh, hear in a moment uh, the Father's love letter. So if you wish, you are welcome to continue standing or sitting. If you would like to receive prayer, just you can make your way to the side, to the right or to the left in your own time. We have 20 minutes, so we have plenty of time. Um, so this is just time for you to receive from the Lord. Um, if you'd like prayer, like I said, feel free to move to the sides and we will see what the Lord wants to do. Amen. My child, you may not know me, but I know everything about you. I know when you sit down and you and when you rise up. I am familiar with you all your ways. Even the very hairs on your head. For you were
this tournament is back time for And to where you with you where you with you where you with you where you with you You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I meet you together in your mother's and your father's and your father's and brought you forth on the day you were born. I have been misrepresented by those who don't know me. I am not distant and angry, but I'm the complete expression of love. And it is my desire to latch my love on you. Simply because you are my child and I am your father. I offer you more than your earthly father ever could. For I am the perfect father. Every good gift I receive comes from my hand. For I am your provider and I meet you and I meet all your needs. My plan for the future has always been beautiful. Because I love you with an everlasting love, my thoughts toward you as the sun on the seashore. And I rejoice over you with sin. I will never stop doing good to you, for you are my treasure possession. I desire to establish you with all my heart and all my soul. And I want to show you great and marvelous If you seek me with all your heart, you will find you. Delight me and I will give you the desires of your father's One day I will wipe away every tear from your eyes. For it is I who gave you those I am able to do more for you than you could possible, possibly imagine. For I am your greatest decorator. I am also the Father who comforts you in all your troubles. When you are broken heart, I am close to you. As a shepherd son, I have carried you close to my heart. One day, I will wipe away and I will take away all the pain you have suffered to deserve. I am your father, and I love you even as I love my For in Jesus, my love for you is revealed. He is the exact representation of my He came to demonstrate that I am for you, not against you. And to tell you that I am not counting your sins. Jesus died so that you and I could be reconciled. His death was the ultimate expression of my love for you. I gave up everything I loved that I might end my life. If you receive the gift of my son Jesus, you receive. And nothing will ever separate you from my love. Come, 
and how we will always be precious, my present for you, and you will be my child, and you will be my child.